0: Some of the free shows this season include Is Kali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver, let me take you back to 2009. Four friends at Denver School of the Arts got together to start something new, a theater company that could create opportunities for paid original work for young artists of color in Denver. They called it the Black Actors Guild. They went on to teach as much as they performed, but when they did perform, it was always fresh and fun, and they quickly found an audience that was much younger and more diverse than your typical blue-haired theater crowd. So now, 13 years later, I was really sad to see the news that the Guild had reached the end of their run. Today, I'm speaking with my friend and Black Actors Guild co-founder Ryan Fu about the state of theater in Denver, what diversity actually means in practice, and what he hopes big institutions with big money can learn from a group of young people of color who made theater accessible, intersectional, and, well, interesting. Today is Thursday, June 9th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Ryan Fu, welcome to CityCast Denver.
1: Thank you. I'm really, really happy to be here.
0: So I, I want to talk about this quote-unquote traditional theater idea. Honestly, I picture a pretty white, mostly older audience, and... When I think back to Black Actors Guild productions I saw early on, especially, that was not the case at all. That was not who was in the audience with me. I think about Show teeth I think about events that you put on. This was There were young people of color, not only on your stage, but showing up for your events. Yeah. What do you think traditional theater could learn from the Black Actors Guild's approach?
1: Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> so just first off, statistically, I think it was 75% of our audience was under age 30, um, which yeah. is and, – and, and mostly people of color, which is honestly kind of insane. Um, if any theater – if any national theater in the world could claim those credentials, there would be investors from every angle pouring in money because the average age of theatergoers at places like the DCPA – and I don't mean to speak for them, but I believe it's above 65, which for a, for a very tactile business sense – means your audience is dead in 15 years. Like not 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 hyperbole, right? There's They call it attrition. There's going to be a legitimate attrition right. rate where your audience is no longer, you're, they're too old to come out to the theater. Um, but they're also the main patrons, they're the main philanthropists, um, and they tend to be older white people with money. So they're going to influence yeah. what kind of work they want to see and blah, 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 blah. As young kids who dropped out of college, who went to DSA for four years and then went to college and were like, ah, we already know this. We wanted to do work that felt like it resonated with us first and foremost. To be honest, I'm, I'm in a variety of interviews with, um, for executive positions across the nation right now for theater companies, and I'm kind of banging the drum. And I, I'm maybe not getting gigs in particular because of this, <laughs> but I'm like, look, what's your season look like? They're like, oh, well, we're everybody today. Everyone's like, we're so invested in diversity, yeah. equity, and inclusion. We want to make sure that everyone's at the table. And I go, all right, cool. Well, what shows have you done? And the last... They're all Shakespeare shows. You know? And it's like... And that's fine. Or they'll do... There are these canon shows that black playwrights, who have an important place in history, have written. Often they're like about the South. They're about the black experience in America. But they don't feel particularly modern. They're not speaking to um, audiences, what people are really going through right now.
0: Yeah. And I... Again, I just... I have these memories of these experiences of Black Actors Guild performances, and it is unlike any other theater production I've ever been to. And it, you know, I'm a a white person, but (laughs) it resonated with me to see young people in the theater, too. It was just something you didn't see. You know, a lot of Denver theater companies are announcing their lineups for this upcoming season. And they're also saying that they're prioritizing diversity. Is this lip service or is this a moment of reckoning leading to some positive changes? Like, do you think that we are
1: actually. Oh, you'll get me in trouble, Bri. Um I, I, I had you on this show. <laughs> I, Oh, yeah. No, I, I like to poke bears. It's OK. Um, <laughs> ooh, if I'm being really honest, it's like 80-20 split fake to real. Um, I would say it's probably, there's probably like 20% of theaters who are genuinely invested in, and I would just offer it to theater companies out there. If you want to do Shakespeare and you want to be white people doing Shakespeare, that's fine. Like live in that space and take a breath and that's okay. If you want to hold space for people of color and you want to include them in your Shakespeare, that is also okay. But do not confuse putting black people in Shakespeare with telling black stories. I'm not saying there aren't, like, black people who love opera and, like, traditional Shakespeare and, like, that. that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that if you want to tell stories that are diverse, that it's more than just including a diverse cast. If you're listening to this and you run a nonprofit right now that does theater, listen to me. Take a breath and don't just include people because you think it's the right thing to do. Go talk to people in the community who are people of color that you trust, love, and believe in. And ask them what they need, and then from a for, then build from a place of of what pe- that community is asking for, rather than assuming what it wants and trying to include them in your world. Don't please don't do that. It's it's genuinely disrespectful. Don't just include us. Like give us space.
0: Yeah. And money and remove that framework that already exists because plugging people into an existing framework doesn't make diversity. No. Like, I think about from the the perspective, you know, I worked on a lot of, like, quote, feminist events because I just like to see more women in all kinds of spaces. And that would happen to me all the time. Well, we have this event. Can you just bring some ladies?
1: bro. I've got horror (laughs) stories. I remember one time I'm not going to name the institution, but one time we got hit up by a pretty large institution who was like, come, we need some black actors to do a thing. And so we prepared some scripts. Like we just had like a 10, 15 minute thing and we showed up and they had, um, I'm not joking. This is real. They had chains and um, they had like oh. slave, slave shit, <laughs> like prepared oh for us, God. like props. Cause they thought we were oh going to do God. like a slave thing. Like they thought it was going to be <laughs> related to that. And oh. we were just like, Oh we we were going to be funny. <laughs> like this, this is not um wow. It's it's an eye opener sometimes to be at, in those spaces and realize you're fodder for someone else's story. They're not they don't they don't really care.
0: There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. I want to mention two recent shows at the DCPA, uh, Choir Boy and Quiote Nuevo. Um, Because one is this coming-of-age story about a black gay man, and the other is a Tejano retelling of the classic Don Quixote. I'm wondering where you think that those shows fit in with this conversation about diversity.
1: There's a certain kind of safety that comes with telling a story you know is popular enough that you will sell tickets to. And it will tell metaphorically the stories that need to be told for certain communities. If Choir Boy were produced by and written by a local theater company, and then it got picked up somewhere in Chicago, it would be a great example of what I'm trying to talk about. But it's the opposite. I've seen the show. I did think it was produced well. But I, it wouldn't quite cross the threshold of telling community story for me. Although I think maybe for LGBTQA plus communities, there's some yes there.
0: And I know with Kyoto Nuevo, which... I- I haven't seen, but our producer Lizzie Goldsmith has. And she talked about it being this like fun and thought provoking reimagining of the story. But the thing that she really noticed was that there weren't a ton of people of color in the actual audience.
1: It's also maybe a bit revealing about who's that story really for, you know, is it really written, produced, directed, put up for audiences of color for communities for whom they are speaking on behalf of? or is it put up for mm. or is it put up for people to watch that experience and go oh my like what how interesting it must be to be in that community obviously everything the DCPA does is fantastic they're they're incredibly high fidelity production um and i and i never want that fidelity to drop um i think that we can do local stuff at that tier of yeah of you know I-
0: I was going to say too, Ryan, I I think your criticisms of the DCPA are warranted and I don't think they get enough criticism in a certain way because it's one of those things where it's like, it's our thing that we have. Don't mess with it. It's like, instead of being like, well, this is how we could do it better with the, obviously with the budget that exists and the facilities that exist, like, they're incredible. So I want to kind of pull back to a bigger picture of Denver for a minute before we get into what you're doing now. But um, when you started the Guild more than a decade ago, I think that we could agree that Denver was a little bit of a different place. It was a little bit cheaper and easier for us to try new things. And like I I just feel like there was literal spaces for us to experiment that were more affordable. And I think some of that experimentation and room for trying new things is gone because the city is more expensive, but also we're attracting bigger shows, right? I mean, like, we've had Hamilton twice or, like, I just got a press release for an Angry Birds interactive experience. (laughs) Do you think that we have become victims of our own success as a city?
1: Um, I think that I'm weary of labeling it as success, to be honest. So there's a cool idea that there's this model that like a large institution theater can run successfully, make profit, and that profit can become tax revenue for the city to do other important things like run schools or whatever. Like that idea is really nice, but stick with me here. What if instead of making Hamilton $7 million, we made a local producer that money, right? And so still you have the same concept, still you've got tax generation uh, happening, but- Instead of people in LA and New York buying an extra yacht, which I don't know if that's what the Hamilton people do. I'm just saying, I'm sure that's what the Agri Birds people are doing. Instead of that, imagine if one local producer, two local producers, a team of 10 local producers created something that was super kick ass. And not only did they get this giant stage to do this big thing, not only are they probably going to be hiring all local actors, circulating all of that money in the local economy. But now as the DCPA, you've given that local producer their first step onto the national launch pad. Now they can take the concept of Denver being dope out to New York or L.A. and do the opposite of what they're doing to us. I think that we've, I I don't want to say we've become a victim of our own success because I don't think it's success yet. Success to me would be our city really investing in the talent that I swear to God is here. Why has it got to be that those stages are reserved only for paying people who don't live here millions of dollars?
0: Well, and yeah, and I think you're touching on something too that I struggle with and I know that you've struggled with as a person that supports local artists is there's like this stigma around saying local art. It's yeah. like it's hard to get people invested in something they don't already automatically have feelings about. Like you already have feelings about Hamilton, but what you don't know is that, you know what I mean? You can see this.
1: It's because it's safe. You know, like if you're if you're the yeah. DCPA, and you're going to take a risk, and this is where the government comes in, right? The government can provide the safety you're talking about that you just referenced, and old Denver had these spaces for exploration and creativity. You can create those at a large scale, so that if the DCPA, one time, you know, of the seven shows they run a season or whatever, if one of them is a local show that has the chance to pop off in this way, right? Wouldn't it be cool to be the the city selling a book of mormon rather than buying it
0: yeah and and being that you know there's a certain element of pride to say like this came out of denver it's a huge deal oh yeah it's i mean and people want to be here people are moving here because they want to be here so let's show them you know we are a beautiful place we've got great mountains you can do outdoor stuff our art scene as you and i know is really amazing but we just don't get the same funding and play that these larger, like you're saying, these sort of guaranteed big ticket events do. Yep. And I would love to see that that shift. So let's move into the present and the wonderful things that you're doing right now, Ryan. Um, Il Fuminati is coming up this weekend. This is tell me about this event and experience. What is it?
1: So I'm throwing a birthday party. I throw a birthday party every year. It's more than just a party. So uh, Il Fuminati is an immersive 1920s murder mystery show. It's, uh, it involves all different kind of folk, and it's funny and silly and also gamified. You play over the course of three hours, and then there's like a three to four hour party afterwards. All of our gamified events are what we call open world. So it's not like, you're welcome to this immersive theater experience. Go to station A, then go to station B, then go to station C. It's like, welcome to this world we've made. Go free. We've been working on it for four months, so it's like a, it's a lot of time and effort and energy to build something that's only going to be two nights. But we, for us, it's also a model. It's a, it's yeah. prototyping something that is super new. It's also where I feel meow wolf and other immersive, uh, installations sort of stop short, which is that they are immersive in a physical or visual or aesthetic way, but they're not immersive in the way that Skyrim gets you to play Skyrim for 12 hours at a time or whatever it's an experience where you're going to be tasked to be as much an actor a player a part of the world a hero in that world as any actor might possibly be
0: oh I love that idea Ryan Fu thank you so much for joining
1: me yeah it's been a pleasure for you thank you for having me
0: Il Fuminati 6, a night at Radio City, goes down tomorrow and Saturday night at the Savoy, Denver. I'll drop a link in the show notes for tickets and more information. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. I told you yesterday that this was in the works, and now it's official. Walmart heir Rob Walton is buying the Broncos, pending approval from the NFL. And apparently, this means it's time to start talking about a new arena. Broncos president Joe Ellis told reporters on Monday that the number one decision on Walton's plate will be to either make some upgrades to Mile High Stadium or (laughs) build a new arena out in the boonies. Obviously, we're going to be talking about this story a ton as it develops. And now some good news for anyone who's ever had their car towed. Earlier this week, Governor Jared Polis signed into law a new batch of protections for car owners. The Denver Post reports that the legislation is meant to curtail what many people see as a plague of abusive and predatory towing practices. Take that, Wyatt's Towing. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us? Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, where today you can hear more from me about Ryan Fu's latest awesome event, Il Fuminati. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. (laughs) This episode's for you, Lizzie.